Welcome to the Badger Cast, a podcast by the Tommy G. Thompson Center on Public Leadership. I'm Ryan Owens, the director of the Thompson Center. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another episode here of the Tommy Thompson Podcast. We're pleased to have with us today Scott Coonan. Scott's the executive director of the Wisconsin Conservative Energy Forum, which provides a voice for conservatives in the state's energy policy debate. He's a native of De Pere, Wisconsin. He attended the University of Wisconsin Whitewater. He previously worked in the state capitol for State Senator Howard Markline, uh, did a number of uh, activities with uh, the Senator on the Joint Committee on Finance and a series of other committees. Uh, he's been involved now with the Wisconsin Conservative Energy, Energy Forum for a few years, and he's here to talk to us today about uh, energy reform. So thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. I think uh, this is a, an interesting topic for everybody. Um, you gotta you gotta kind of get into it a little bit to, to make it interesting, but um, I, I think we're, we're we're involved in some really cool things, and I'm excited to share it with you guys a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, everybody is to be involved with energy, right? I mean, as you say, it's not the the topic that comes off the tongue as easy as some of the other things, uh, but you know, everybody has to deal with energy one way or the other, and if we're gonna do it, we better do it the right way, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it it, it really it it. You'd be surprised once you start to get into it how much it really does matter. You know, for for everybody, for your average person, it's kind of, you know, energy and energy use is kind of behind, you know, it's behind everything, right? Everybody expects to flip the switch on and have it work and, you know, turn your AC on, especially like a day like today, and and it's just got to work, right? And that's everybody's first, you know, concern, but... Man, there are a lot of things that get really complicated, and it, it gets really important about how we move and power our world. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So, before we get into you know some of the specific technologies and you know things like that, why don't you just tell me a little bit about the forum, how it got created, you know your role within it, um, you know how did you guys get to where you are right now? Sure. So we're we're, we're new in Wisconsin, about a year and a half, a little maybe close to two years um, in existence so far. But you know the the way the project kind was proposed to me and and we have a kind of national organization conservative energy network and we have uh, something like 25 states in that organization now Wisconsin's obviously one of them um, the way kind of the project that we saw was you know conservatives and and kind of right of center folks people that you know have a more of a free market ideology were just missing in the energy policy debate um, you know kind of left of center folks um, you know whether it's Sierra Club or clean Wisconsin or um, League of Conservation voters all all have a really strong voice in energy policy and it's often tied to the environment and environmental concerns um, you know for conservatives it just it it, it didn't exist. There wasn't a voice out there. So that's what we wanted to try and do: fill a vacuum um, and bring some, you know, conservative, right of center, uh, free market oriented um, policy and ideas to this debate. Because um, there's a lot of things changing in energy, um, and there's there's a lot of things that are going to change in the next few years. So for us, you know, to not have a a consistent right of center voice out there to be at the table and talk about these changes. Um, we, we just needed somebody to step into that. Yeah, and, and it seems kind of counterintuitive for um, some people, at least, not me, but for some people to think about conservatives talking about renewable energy, about conservation. Um, why do you think that is? You know, I, I, for, for whatever reason, and, and, you know, we could probably have a much longer podcast about, you know, <laughs> the, the political polarization in our country right now and, you know, how... 
how some issues are, are just inherent to one side and the other side doesn't talk about them. And, you know, we all go off in our corners and yell at right. each other. Right. Um, but I, I think that there are some fundamental changes in energy that are going to make this, are, are going to break down traditional political lines. You know, mm -hmm. I, I tell people, I, I, I'm a conservative. I've been involved in, you know, Republican state level politics for 10 years now, a decade. Um, I've been arguing against renewables for a majority of that time. I've, I've made all the arguments, um, but there are really fundamental changes with the technology behind renewable generation with technology and energy markets that I think is going to turn the entire issue on its head. Mm -hmm. And when changes like that take place, our politics needs to react to that. We need to, we need to adapt to changes. Yeah. Well, I do think that, you know, conservatives have at least had some history with, uh, you know, with some of these issues. I think uh, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, even our namesake Tommy Thompson was heavily involved with a, a lot of environmental issues. So there definitely is a space for that. Um, and it's interesting that you point out, you know, there's 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 a vacuum here, right? Um, you take a look at some of the the policies just recently advocated. You know, the Green New Deal. Um, you know, that's a I think a lot of people would suggest a very far left approach to to energy issues, and we didn't hear much in response to that. Uh, you know, in terms of what's the alternative right. uh, from from the right. So I think you're you're absolutely right to say that there's a policy space there that has been vacated, and um, you know, and it sounds as though conservatives uh, you know are starting to get involved with it. So I want to go back to the one of the points you just made before. You said that. Things are changing quite a bit. Uh, there are new policies, there are new technologies. Why don't you walk us through some of the technologies that are uh, coming to the forefront right now and which ones might be gaining dominance? Yeah, so so I think a lot of people intrinsically have, have learned or have kind of picked up. There's There's been a media narrative over the, over the past like five years about how coal plants are shutting down, right? Coal is kind of um, on its way out of the market a little bit. Um, there aren't a lot of people that I think that kind of understand exactly why that's happening. I think there are two things that have really changed in the last 10 years in our country. First off, natural gas is cheap and abundant and it is locally sourced in our country now and it's beaten the pants off of coal and electricity generation. But the second thing, and I think the thing that's even going to be more significant, and this is a challenge for conservatives, Renewable generation, like solar and wind in particular, have gotten so much cheaper than they were just five years ago. Um, solar costs have come down almost a hundredfold in the past decade. Wind costs are something like 60 to 65% cheaper to build a wind turbine now. It places those technologies in combination with natural gas as the competitive low-cost options in the marketplace, which is a completely different argument than what we've been having in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Totally mm -hmm. different. Um, the argument has always been, you know, how do we subsidize these, uh, subsidize or right. mandate these technologies to force them into a marketplace. Yep. Yep. Now we're talking about these technologies are winning on price. What changes do we have to make in the marketplace to facilitate these technologies to move forward, actually? So to me, it's a completely different conversation. And there are some other things coming up like battery storage, um, electric vehicles that could really fundamentally change the way we even the way we think about electricity, our grid, how we generate um, generate electricity. It really is going to change a lot of things. So it's important. 
I think, you know, as conservatives, we can't just close our eyes at this. I know it's, it's, it's difficult to uh, kind of recognize some new realities, but <laughs> we, we have to be involved in this. You know, we have to have a discussion about how this stuff is implemented. Well, so let's, let's have part of that discussion. And mm -hmm. what do you say to conservatives uh, who, I don't know, complain that, you know, the, the reason these technologies are as cheap as they are right now is because they were built on the back of subsidies? I mean, is it just irrelevant at this point? I mean, how, how do we... Um, how do we think about that? How, how can you respond to that point? Sure. So I, I think, and that's a, it's a fair point. It's one I wrestle with all the time. Like right. I, we, we are at this point in the marketplace, arguably, because, you know, government action brought us to this point. I, I, I honestly think that I can leave that aside. I can leave all that aside and mm -hmm. recognize that, okay, if these technologies can compete on price and they are economic and they make sense in working in an electricity grid and an energy grid, I'll, I'll leave how we got here aside, but we need to we need to be at the table going forward mm -hmm. because uh, decisions are still to be made. Lots and lots of decisions right. that that are going to impact you know our country for 40, 50, 60 years into the future are, are still to be made. Um, the story is not written on this stuff yet. So let's let's grab this issue and really get our heads around it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the story as it's being written. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm going to go back. I'm going to date myself here a little bit on mm -hmm. this. Um, I remember, <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm an old guy here. Uh, I remember in the early 80s uh, when my parents bought uh, our first VCR and they got the VHS. They didn't go for the beta. They were smart enough not to go for the beta. They went for the VHS. But the, you know, the VHS is the technology that won out. So we had some competition up front. Bang, the you know, VHS takes over. Are we going to see something like that with renewables? Right now, we've got, as you said, solar, wind. We've got a handful of other things. Do you think there's going to be one that really just grabs hold of the whole thing? Or because of our, you know, sort of uh, geographical diversity, things like that, certain places are going to, uh, you know, pick one type of technology that will dominate, whereas another one will dominate elsewhere. You have any thoughts on that? You know, I, I think a healthy mix is always good, right? And, and that, that to me is the the pragmatic middle ground, right? You know, you, you mentioned the Green New Deal earlier and how that, that seems extreme, but it is extreme, you know. So it, <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna let you say it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, to, to my opinion, it is extreme, and that, and we we do this with so many issues, and we're doing it on energy right now, right? We we're kind of split in in these two camps, and we let you know two extremes control uh, the debate over it, right? We've got the green new dealers on the far left side, hundred percent renewable in ten years. We got to get there, you know. No, nothing else we can use. And then we've kind of got, I think, some folks that are maybe sticking their heads in the sand on the right side of this issue. Zero percent renewables. We can't use them. They'll never work. And, and those are the two loudest voices in the room. Right. And we let those two pretend like they're the only options out there. They're not. There's right. so much middle ground between those two things. So to me, you know, there, there's a healthy mix here. I mean, we, we, you know, we've talked a little bit here in the state about... You know, we have a renewable resource, and it's cow manure in Wisconsin, and we have a technology that exists that can turn cow manure into energy, actually, disposable, dispatchable energy. That's a technology that Wisconsin should be using. We really should be using that, and that can be part of our mix going forward. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, a, a good, diverse mix is really, I think, what makes everything stronger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I like the fact that you said that, too, because, you know, when I talk to folks in the utilities and say, look, we, we really like this you know, this bio, uh, you know, biomass, uh, uh, you know, sort of manure management type approach to this. A lot of times the utilities say, yeah, we do too. But the problem is, is it doesn't, 
it doesn't actually power all that much, right? It's pretty localized and it can't be distributed as far as we'd like. I mean, I suspect that with some technological advancements that can improve quite a bit. Um, but, but you know, they've got a point, right? We can't, you know, if you live close by, great. You can use the stuff. Maybe if not, you know, you got you to go somewhere else. Right, right. And that's that's all part of what we need to figure out, right? I mean, those are, those are all questions that are very legitimate, and we just need to work with all the stakeholders at the table to figure this stuff out. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, you know, one of the, one of the central, if we, you know, I, I see often some folks, I go talk to, you know, local, um, you know, county parties, Republican parties, and chambers of commerce meetings, and things like that, talk to local community leaders. If, I guess, if they, we're moving past an argument about, we can't argue against renewables on the basis of cost. There are a lot of concerns around the variability of renewables, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know the the sun doesn't shine all day, and the and the wind doesn't blow either all day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those are totally legitimate problems, and we have to overcome those problems. And I think, you know, to me, to take the pessimistic, you know, case on this stuff all the time, I, I, you know, I kind of raised, I was raised as a conservative, raised to believe in kind of, you know, this creative destruction right in the economy this innovation and, and and you know that's what powers the american economy forward right we find these new technologies and new ways of doing business right i don't have my vcr anymore you know i mean we're <laughs> me we're, yeah we're, you know we, we figured out a new thing coming along and so to me you know we, we got to take an optimistic tone on some of this there are absolutely challenges going forward but we have I think we have the ability to overcome a lot of these challenges, but we just need to work on them. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, that, that is the optimism of the American mind. There's no question about it. You know, and, and I guess I would say to people, too, who say, you know, these are, it's unreliable, it's, it's not constant. One thing we know for sure that isn't constant is our supply of coal and fossil fuels. I mean, they will run out at some point. We know that's a fact. So, you know, you could turn it around at that point and say, well, hey, that's not going to be there forever either, right? We've got to work with what we've got available. Um, so tell me a little bit about solar and uh, wind in Wisconsin. Where are we at with those? Are those sort of the two, it seems to me what I hear the most about for renewables is, is solar, wind, and bio. Um, we talked a little bit about, about bio. It seems like it's somewhat localized, different parts of the state, and obviously around cows. Um, solar and wind seem to be the other two. Talk about them. Where are we at in Wisconsin? Yeah, so um, Wisconsin's got kind of a, we have a, a longer history with wind. Um, you know, wind development kind of came into the state 10, 15 years ago, again, when it was very expensive, um, and it was kind of a uh, by by government mandate essentially um, and so uh, to me wind is we've got a couple of new developments taking place in the state um, our wind resources is okay in Wisconsin however they call the middle of the country uh, the plains Kansas Iowa the Dakotas um, even western Minnesota they call that the Saudi Arabia of wind because it is the best wind resource in the entire world um, so Wisconsin's kind of at a disadvantage. Don't you think they could have come up with a better analogy? I, I, you know I mean but it, <laughs> I mean yes they should right we should we should work on that a little bit let's let's brainstorm yeah, on yeah, a better yeah, idea yeah, you know so. um, but because there there's so much wind out there there really really is um, so I mean Iowa right now right over the border in Iowa I was getting anywhere from 35 to 40 percent of their energy production from wind. Is actually, right? right now, right now, yeah. So we we're kind of at a disadvantage with our wind resources a little bit. Eventually, we'll figure out how to do offshore wind in the Great Lakes, and, and that'll be a really 
that'll be a really, really big economic boon for Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. That's something that'll probably be coming in the next five, ten years. However, solar is here now. Okay. Um, we, we finally have uh, our first couple of approved projects um, in Wisconsin at utility scale solar. Um, and there are challenges with uh, really large 300, 400 megawatt solar farms um, that are going in on you know, three, 4,000 acres of farmland in, in rural Wisconsin. There are challenges to those projects too, but, um, but I think they really offer very unique economic advantages to rural Wisconsin, to farmers, to landowners in rural Wisconsin. And, uh, and I think we've got our first two or three projects that are actually approved, and there's, there are a lot of projects coming up. Um, I think if you look at the queue in Wisconsin over the next five years, four or five years, Roughly like 75% of the additions in projects in Wisconsin are going to be solar, and the rest of those are going to be wind, actually. Um, there's, there's a, and that's, and I never looked like that in Wisconsin before. So right. if in the next five years all of those projects get built that are kind of in the queue in Wisconsin, which they won't all be built, but if they were all built, we'd move from under 1% of our energy production coming from solar to over 20% in the period of five years, which would be. We've never seen anything like that. Right, in that's a pretty huge shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the knocks we always heard on solar in Wisconsin is that you know we don't get enough days of sunshine. Uh, you know, is it the case that the technology is better that they can grab more out of the photons than they had in the past, or I mean, what's what's different? Absolutely, they they've just leaps and bounds better. Um, both panels are getting they're getting smaller, they're getting more efficient. You know, you get you get more energy out of your square footage of panel, um, and and. They they're slowly figuring out how to, you know, make it work in this climate. You know, um, they they had the the latest technology is actually so you think of a solar panel as just it's stationary, right? It's just facing one direction. Right. New solar panels actually now work on a track. So instead of catching eight hours of sunlight, you're catching all of the sunlight over a day. It follows the sun the entire way. Interesting. Um, which is you know has increased uh, you know panel production tenfold. Now what they're talking about is actually doing a double-sided solar panel um, with kind of, a, and I don't understand exactly how it works, but reflecting sunlight back underneath a solar panel as well to hmm. essentially double the production of each panel. So we're we're still in the early phases of this technology where they're still doubling and tripling production of these panels. Um, that's how early we are in the technology and how you know really the the. The cost curve and the and the efficiency curve of these things are so it's just really really huge. Yeah. So so they're still figuring it out, um, but we're at a point now where I think we can really make this work even in Wisconsin. So let's say that I am uh, you know I'm a small business owner. Um, I'm sort of sitting down thinking about where I want to set up shop, you know, how I want to, you know, get my supply chain, all the things that I want to do, and I've got this decision about you know how I want to set up my energy. Um, what are the choices that small business owners face when they sit down and they and they have to think about that? Um, they can go with you know the existing system uh, through the utility. They can go through you know some solar setup. You know how does that operate for them and how can they make these decisions? Yeah, so that that's one of the challenges that Wisconsin has right now. Um, but it's also I think one of the the big appeals for a, a conservative or a conservative minded person is. You know, solar energy in particular, it scales up, but it also scales all the way down to one panel, right? It's it's extremely versatile. So you could put two panels on your rooftop, or you could put two thousand panels in a field, and, and that's how it kind of scales. So for for me. 
there's a real, I think, an opportunity to change the way we think about energy. We always think, I'm the consumer of energy, right? I'm the consumer, the utility provides it to me, I pay my bill every month, that's the way it's been for 150 years, that's the way it's going to be. No, we have the opportunity here with some technologies to actually change that relationship, especially for large businesses that have a lot of square footage, have a lot of rooftop space. Mm -hmm. You could theoretically become an energy producer as well as a consumer and really change the dynamic around energy. However, we have some challenges in Wisconsin around state laws and policies that um, are, are a little bit difficult for, for people to do that. Yeah. Uh, right now, if I'm a business owner, a homeowner, Essentially, I have to pay outright and pay up front for my, my solar installation. There aren't a lot of leasing options. Um, it gets pretty complicated in state law and state statute. And that's one of the things we need to work on as conservatives. Because, you know, for, for me, uh, offering the independence of having my own energy, producing my own energy, um, I, I think is a really, really strong argument to this yeah. stuff. Well, I just learned that word today, the prosumer. Right, the, the mix between the producer and the consumer, and it's just really, really interesting. Um, you know, we're going to have a, a conference on, on these issues. Actually, we're going to have three conferences, but one of them is going to look specifically at this: the prosumer, where we are today. And um, you know, utilities are, you might say, justifiably concerned about this. Right, they want to make sure that they're not losing the, the guaranteed reasonable rate of return that they have on their investments. Right. So, how do you think might be a good way to maneuver this so that you know? And obviously, you don't have to come up with any policy prescription here or anything. But <laughs> Thank you. you know, as we're sitting together in a room with everybody, and they say, "Look, we want to protect our investment." And you say, "Yeah, well, I want more control." What? I mean, what? Any thoughts on where where the the happy medium is there on this? Yeah, there, if there is one. If the, if there is one, if we can find one, um, you know, if we can find one, I think it's going to again. It's going to be at a table with everybody, right? It's yeah. it's going to be starting to have that conversation again. We just we haven't been anywhere on on starting that conversation in Wisconsin in the last 10, 15 years. We just we haven't. Other states are figuring it out, right? I mean, uh, other states, you know, typically some of the southern states, Arizona, uh, even even states like South Carolina and Florida, are starting to come along on on the distributed solar prosumer you know model mm -hmm. um, and 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 their utilities have been on board and found a common you know found a pragmatic middle ground on this it's it's happening we're not the first state that's going to be dealing with this debate and and sure. you know this problem uh, there are models out there that we can use but I think you know it it demands us as consumers it demands us as you know individuals to stand up and say hey you know what? This technology gives me a little bit more independence. I'm going to take that independence. So that, I think that has to be an issue for people. Um, we need to, to start raising the profile of that issue a little bit more, and, and then you get people involved. Yeah, I, I, that's the key to everything that we do, frankly, is mm -hmm. just get all of the interested folks together, sit down and talk as human beings. I mean, it's it sounds naive and, and frankly trite, but uh, good Lord, in today's... Today's climate, we really need people to sit down and talk to it. Uh, again, it's it's unbelievable. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So um, next question for you. And you had mentioned earlier that there are some things on the horizon, some technologies on the horizon. Anything out there that's really, really uh, interesting to you? Anything that, that, that makes you kind of sit back and say, wow, if we can get this, boy, we're going to crack the egg. Yeah. Uh, you know, we... I would say that there's some really interesting things around energy storage. It's all going to be about storage God, at some batteries. point or another. Yeah, batteries and, and really large-scale batteries, I think, are there, there are a lot of challenges, um, but also the, the opportunities here are really, really huge. And, and this gets back to the variability of renewable energy, right? right? It's, yeah. we, we, we can't, 
renewable energy is going to be capped at a certain level just because sometimes that wind doesn't blow, sometimes the sun doesn't shine, and, and we, we have that problem. Batteries get us past that problem effectively. Um, if, you can, if you can take, you know, right now it's, it's 95 degrees, feels even worse, the sun's shining today, um, you're going to get maximum production out of your panels today, right? If you can capture some of that energy that you've produced in the middle of the day and send it into a battery and then use that energy at any point right. over a given time to dispatch it into the grid, you really fix all of your problems around variability of energy, um, and that that's going to be really, really huge. And I'd like, uh, you know, I'd like for people to start thinking a little bit too about, you know, uh, we're going to move into electric vehicles at some point in time, um, and I think that transition's coming in the next few years. Uh, we need to start thinking a little bit more about our. Everybody thinks, you know, I just have an electric vehicle. I need to plug it in, like I fill it up with gas. It's the same, you know, relationship. No. You need to start thinking about your personal electric vehicle as a storage of energy. It is it is energy itself. Um, so what what happens when we're all driving electric vehicles? We're all essentially driving really big batteries, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're driving batteries that could plug into the grid at any moment in time or could essentially run your house for a period of hours. Um, it's very, very interesting when you start to think about boy, what if I, everybody out there, and, and this is not just related to personal vehicles, um, you know, I've had some conversations with folks that think um, school buses are a prime example oh, yeah. of what you could do with electric electric school buses, because school buses only run about four hours out of the day, right? The other mm -hmm. 20 hours, they're sitting in a parking lot yeah, somewhere. Right. You're essentially dealing with a huge parking lot full of batteries and really big batteries. You know, what can we do with that? How can you monetize that? And how can you plug those into the grid to help, you know, stabilize things a little bit? There's a lot of really interesting things that are going to happen. Again, when you, you get away from just the consumer-producer relationship yeah. Yeah. and start yeah. to think about more opportunities in energy, it's uh, very interesting stuff coming up. Boy, whoever comes up with the idea of the long battery that, that you know, can keep that power for a long time, be a very rich individual. Yes, yeah. If somebody wants to give me a call, if you're listening to this, I'll, I'll get on board. Yeah. Hell yeah, that would be amazing. Excellent. All right. So, um, two last things, two last questions here for you. The first is sort of a general political type question. You know, we've got a serious divide on hell. It seems like everything these days. But is there an opportunity here for conservatives and liberals, Republicans and Democrats, to work together to get? something done on this. I would think, uh, you know, for, for liberals getting conservatives to come along on an issue that they've been uh, not interested in for a long time would be appealing. On the other hand, they may not want to cede the issue. Um, conservatives might want to get something done to attract uh, younger voters, younger minds, that sort of thing. Is there a way forward for these two sides to work together. Yeah, I, I yes, but it requires both sides to give a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it, it, it requires, I think, it, you know, as conservatives, we need to recognize the facts on the ground as they are. You know, the reality is this stuff is coming along. Um, you know, utilities are leaning into it. Everybody's leaning into this, this area. Um, so we need to recognize, you know, the new reality that renewables are competitive. They are in the marketplace. They are coming along, and they are they are going to be something that you know we, we have to deal with um, now. On the on the left side of the aisle, I really think that you know folks need to recognize this is not going to be an all or nothing situation, and it's not going to be all or nothing for a long time. Um, and we also, I think, you know, left of center folks need to to come along a little bit and recognize. 
you know, the policy solutions that brought renewables to where they are now are not necessarily going to be the solutions that we need going forward. Um, you know, to find a bipartisan common ground, I think we need to think outside the box, right? The, the solutions can't be the same that we've been using for 15 years. Policy needs to get more innovative. Things need to, we need to think outside the box on some of these policy solutions. And when you think outside the box, when you start to talk about new ideas, new policy, that's where you really find your common ground. You find bipartisan common ground. Um, because you know, we know the old ideas produce this us versus them, yeah. right? Yeah. And so let's move to something new and try to, you know, try to do it. And, and, I, and I'll tell you know, to my left of center friends, it, it matters how we message these issues too. You know, I, you, you mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, global warming and climate change, whatever you think about it, it is a deeply divisive issue, right? There is no reason at this point that renewable energy and energy technologies, electric vehicles, need to be tied to that, that climate change discussion. There are so many other th positives that flow from these new technologies that appeal to conservatives, appeal to left of center folks, appeal to everybody, that we, it really matters how you talk and message about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So please, you know, as you're talking about this stuff with uh, somebody who is on the other side of the aisle, find common ground in the way you talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. And, you know, I don't know if you follow this or not, but uh, Australia, they just recently had some national elections. And frankly, one of the major issues, so it was uh, the, the, the left was going into this, and everybody thought that the left was going to win these you know, huge landslide elections. And their messaging on this was climate change, climate change, climate change. We've got to change everything. Um, and people started worrying about losing their jobs. And, you know, the right in Australia said, we recognize that climate change is an issue. Some of us do, some of us don't, right? We, we recognize that you think it's an issue and that voters are concerned about this. But we also know that voters are concerned about jobs and keeping their jobs. So we're gonna try to come up with some solution to it that isn't super far left. And they wound up cleaning house in those elections. The, the, the moderates to the center-right party did. So I think that's sort of a lesson in how you want to message some of this stuff. Uh, you know, for both sides, you don't want to go too far. Huh? Absolutely. At the end of the day, this is it, it, it becomes a pocketbook issue, too, you know, which is, you know, is incredibly potent sometimes. You oh, know? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So last question for you. Uh, we, we like to ask everybody this. Do you have a favorite public leader or handful of public leaders in history? And if so, who are they and why? Sure, sure. So I, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit since we started talking. And I'll go back to the optimism, you know, portion. And I'll, I'll go back to kind of that belief in, you know, American spirit and innovation. And I, I was a, I've been raised on Ronald Reagan, right? I mean, that's a, it's, it's, it's a too much of a cliche answer, right? It's <laughs> right. quite um, all right. It, it's very cliche, and I understand that it's you know terrible. But I, I was raised on Ronald Reagan, you know, reading his autobiography, you know, watching the the speech in front of the Berlin Wall, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Reagan just exuded an optimism. He, he exuded a belief, um, you know, and, and and extended that to what I think you know is is most people in this country, um, you know, offered a a vision that I think is more unifying than dividing, yeah. um, and, and a real belief in in that kind of you know intrinsic American spirit, um, and that, and that's again that just that speaks to me. That speaks to me on this issue. It speaks to me on a lot of other issues too. Yeah.
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If we want to get anything done in this country, we've got to work together to do it. Yep. Uh, beautiful. All right. Well, Scott Conan, thanks a lot for being here. I appreciate it. Um, anybody interested in learning more about Scott and the Wisconsin Conservative Energy Forum can just go online, just check out the Conservative Energy Forum website. You can learn the events they've got, learn more about Scott. You know, you can see a picture of him. Looking all nice in his suit there, giving us the smile. Uh, no, uh, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, we'll see you around. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate all the work you guys do, too. Right on. Take care.